The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, and I'm living in Canada. I'm retired from medical practice. And since retiring, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, the point that I want to start off with is that family caregivers need more recognition for what they do. What family caregivers do is provide care to family members suffering health challenges and all the other problems that health challenges bring to people and their families. And family caregivers rise to those challenges again and again. And then, as they travel the road of family caregiving, this is what I've learned on this show, they turn around to offer a helping hand to those just starting out down that tough road. So to talk about this and other aspects of family caregiving, we have as our guests two authors, Linda Simmons and James Creeble, and we're going to ask them to discuss their perspective as authors. But first of all, let me um, introduce them to you via their bios. Now, Linda describes herself as a writer by day, college instructor by night, and a late sleeper on weekends. She grew up in Toronto, Canada, reading Greek mythology, bringing home stray cats, and making up stories about bodies in the basement. From an early age, her family knew she would either end up as a writer or the old lady with a hundred cats. Now, as luck would have it, she explained, she married a man with allergies, so writing is what it became. With two daughters to raise, they set up a home. Now, while the girls are grown and gone, she and her husband are still there. And yes, there is a cat, which she describes as beautiful if spoiled. James Crable is a highly qualified educator, writer, licensed professional counselor, and nationally certified cognitive behavioral therapist practicing in Scottsdale, Arizona. He specializes in treating anxiety, depression, and the emotional effects of pain management and related issues. He served as a teacher and guidance counselor for 30 years and has taught graduate-level counselor education courses for Chapman University. In 2005, he self-published a book, Stepping Out of the Bubble, Reflections on the Pilgrimage of Counseling Therapy. Now, his latest book, Troubled Childhood, Triumphant Life, Healing from the Battle Scars of Youth, is about the impact of troubled childhoods 
on adult functioning. He can be reached through his website, which you'll find in the description for this episode that you're listening to. So, Linda and James, welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show. You're very much welcome, both of you. Now, I'm going to start with Linda, first of all. Linda, please tell us what types of books you write, how many you've written, and particularly how many you've written that reflect some aspects of family caregiving. All right. Well, I'm, I've written about eight novels. I started out writing Harlequin romances for, for Harlequin and for Kensington, and I moved away from that to tell different kinds of stories. I wrote romantic comedy, and to tell different kinds of stories, I moved away from that with a book called Getting Rid of Rosie, which was a comedy, but again, it was about larger issues and um, about women's relationships with each other rather than, you know, strictly the male-female. And uh, this new book, Island Girl, represents another big step away from the the kinds of books that I was writing. This is, um, again, it's about family relationships, which I find very complex and and interesting. And it is... um, set on the Toronto Island, and it's about um, Ruby Donaldson, who's been diagnosed with, uh, at 55 with early-onset Alzheimer's. And it, it asks the question, like she's, been, she's made a lot of bad choices in her life, and uh, so she's been estranged from her older daughter, Liz, for some time. But now, of course, she finds herself needing uh, Liz to come home, take care of the house, and the, her younger daughter, Grace, who is... is an adult, but she's about 10, about the mental capacity of about a 10-year-old, so she needs Liz to come home. But the question, of course, that Liz asks is, does Alzheimer's automatically forgive you a lifetime of sins? Does it grant you some kind of moral immunity, a get-out-of-jail-free card, that all of a sudden I have to put my life on hold to take care of yours? Very interesting question. We'll come back to it. James, what types of types of books do you write? Um, which of them reflect some aspect of family caregiving? Well, I think they both do. Uh, I write nonfiction. I write uh, self-help, uh, psychology-type uh, books. My first work, as you mentioned, Stepping Out of the Bubble, explores the concept of courage and risk that's necessary to move adults out of their comfort zone uh, to create uh, productive change. In a way, it's kind of a memoir. It's a memoir about theory and practice that evolved out of my own ex- professional experience. Um, in it, I disclose aspects of my overtures to care, uh, give to my father in ways that that process affected my ability to face the reality of grief and loss. Now, my latest work, uh, Troubled Childhood Triumphant Life, which you mentioned, underscores the need uh, for adults to process the pain of the past. Um, I find that there are very few works out that connect people's uh, childhood past to their present as adults. And many times, uh, individuals, adults, will replicate uh, their thinking and behavior from the past that creates disruption and difficulties, particularly in relationships. I think, in a way, I underscore the distinction between the role of caretaking and the process of caregiving in my book, uh, Troubled Childhood, Triumphant Life, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, But troubled children and adults are more likely to overextend themselves in the caretaking process, and that's what I mean. 
and um, by overfunctioning, they may actually annoy and consume a significant others uh, and avoid responsibility for filling their own life with activity and meaning. I'm already seeing parallels or even convergence in um, the things that you're both writing about. So, Linda, I'd like you to tell us about your experience, whatever it is, with family caregiving. And if it is uh, um, a, an experience of, that involves you personally, how it began. Uh, all right. My mother-in-law has uh, been suffering from Alzheimer's for the past 15 years. And uh, she's a very slow-progressing type. And so we have, of course, been involved with uh, her care. And it was through the experiences we've had, not only with my, my mother-in-law and our own family, but through the families that we have met along the way um, with other people who've been caregivers to their you know, loved ones with Alzheimer's as well, and looking at, at their experiences and watching what they go through that prompted me to write this book. Because it is, it is more and more diagnosis of, of Alzheimer's um, are, are coming out as the disease becomes more well-known and, um, and recognized. And uh, what I find is that there are people in my era, my age group, who are now the caregivers who look very differently upon the whole Alzheimer's experience um, and are also questioning, especially when you come to in-laws, do I need to, why should I forgive this person? Why should I? take this person in why should I take on this burden because it is it's a it's a and I you know perhaps it's not a nice word to use but burden is what it is to look after someone with Alzheimer's and uh, so people are questioning do I do I have to do this you know and so this is becoming more and more an issue I find Uh, right that's what prompted me to write this book right James it's the same question your own experience with family caregiving give us some more information about it, please, and just please say how it began. Well, my professional perspective, uh, from a professional perspective, my desire and willingness to caretake started with my current education. I was a guidance counselor, a teacher administrator, uh, and I provided support to a myriad of families. You know, concurrently, I provide that kind of affirmation and nurturing through my private psychotherapy practice in Scottsdale. Interesting, on a personal level, my caretaking started, I believe, with my need as a child to try to nurture and understand my parent, who suffered from an inability to connect emotionally as family members. I was a great friend, I believe, during adolescence and into adulthood. I was a great friend and listener to others and became aware that I did this at times to elevate my own importance at the expense of addressing my own issues. Once again, I'm seeing a parallel there. Um, Let's just talk a little bit more about, and I'm going to ask you more in the next segment about this, how these experiences actually influence your writing directly. Are you writing about those experiences yourself, or are you looking at the broader picture of things that are happening out in society? Now, this is a quick answer. We will go back to it later on, but Linda first. No, I'm not writing from my own experience. Uh, what I am doing is, is 
writing about characters in particular. It's uh, fiction is like that. It's it's you create characters within situations, and they don't always. And in fact, they really shouldn't just always reflect you. And they should never just strictly reflect your view because it's not up to me to to tell you what to think. It's up to me to present you with different two two different people in a room arguing, and they're both right. And now you decide. Yeah. So, yeah. James, same question. Your experience, how it well, influences your writing. Definitely, I believe that my personal experience affected my writing. I think that uh, what I experienced uh, during childhood affected the writing of both books. And I feel that particularly in my latest work, Troubled Childhood, Triumphant Life, people have indicated how in the world could you connect with that information? So I would say that on both a professional and a personal level that I was able to explore and lay out this process. Fair enough. And that James, was, I'm going to interrupt you because we're going into the inevitable break, but I'll give you a chance to catch up when we come back from the break. So it is time for that break. We do have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Linda Simmons and James Crable. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live, and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn, founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Hahn, celebrating the creation of families. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email 
to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Linda Simmons and James Crable. Our topic is authors talking about family caregiving. Now, um, I want to talk more about the work of authors writing about family caregiving, and I'm going first to James. I want to know what your perspective is of family caregiving in a bit more detail because you've already spoken about it, and you've already spoken about the way in which your perspective influences your writing, but I interrupted you. So please, could you deal with both those questions? Well, first of all, what I was trying to say is when I wrote Troubled Child with Triumphant Life, I wrote it both from a professional perspective because I could see the suffering of patients that I was dealing with. But in dealing uh, with people, I was able to take that back to some of my own experience and I was able to include concepts and ideas from my own experience into the work, which I think actually made it more authentic. To your second question about my perspective on caregiving, I I like to distinguish the role sometimes of caretaking from the process of family caregiving. I think caregivers are definitely, they're committed to the health and well-being of those they serve. And they're responsible, in my thinking, to people, to assist them, rather than responsible for people. I like to make that distinction because sometimes people get swallowed up in the caregiving process if they believe they're responsible for people. Uh, And I think that distinction is important. Having appropriate concern for the well-being of family members and peers is, is necessary. However, it's easy to get so emotionally caught up in the process that we lose a sense of balance. So I believe uh, we should caretake for others, including family members, because it's the right thing to do, not because we expect anything in return. Um, And to be a good caregiver, one must possess the will and, of course, the emotional energy to manage the situation And sometimes caregivers' recommendations and advice to those in need uh, must take precedence over what they want. And so, again, I say this process is a delicate, delicate balancing act. Right. Linda, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that um, in your writing, you're approaching the question of forgiveness. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, someone who's going down the slope into something like Alzheimer's, to what extent should the people around her her or him um, be forgiving? And that, I think, resonates with what James has, been, has just said. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that issue of forgiving as you see it as a writer. Okay, well, um, in, in Island Girl, for instance, it's not just a matter of forgiving uh, Ruby. It's a matter of uh, forgiving yourself. There's a lot of, a lot of the issues have to do with guilt, okay, and a lot of uh, and coming to terms with what you've actually done. And for Ruby, it, it's it's almost like Alzheimer's is, for the first time in her life, opening up holes so that she can, the truth can come in, okay, and she can look honestly at herself and her life and her relationships. And for her daughters, it's about. Um, it's not just the forgiveness, but it's about truth and it's about um, uh, 
coming to terms with who you are and um, what a relationship means to you and what James was saying about caregivers and caretakers sometimes taking on too much out of guilt. Guilt plays a huge part uh, in the book and the self-destructiveness of one of the characters of the older daughter, the self-destructiveness that comes from guilt right, and towards her mother, to her sister, all of these different things. But it doesn't motivate her to become the uber caregiver and to give up everything. It, it, it uh, motivates her to, to you know, be, be self-destructive and, um, and push away this role of the caregiver. She doesn't want to. But the interesting thing is, too, that Ruby doesn't want her either to do that. She is not looking for a caregiver for herself. She is looking for a caretaker for her daughter, for her younger daughter. That has always been the focus of, of her life with the younger daughter. And so she is not looking for anyone to take care of herself. Ruby's decision is that she's not going to, she's not going to see through the long goodbye. So that's another aspect of the book is that Ruby has decided once, once you know, she gets Grace taken care of, she's taken herself out. She's not going to see this journey through. So she isn't looking. She's fighting caregivers. She's fighting the whole idea of it. She has always been independent. She will always be independent. So it's about coming to terms with the fact that you need other people. Very, very, very important point that flows into the question I'm just about to put to James. James, in the book Troubled Childhood, Triumphant Life, you're exploring circumstances, as I understand it, in which family caregiving hasn't worked all that well. What are those circumstances? Well, family caretaking, I believe, is not helpful or, or healthy when the role consists of a pattern of overfunctioning on behalf of significant others. This pattern many times happens in troubled homes and troubled families. Children or adults who anxiously pursue uh, you know, others in an attempt to try to fix or control their lives find their efforts at times uh, rather self-defeating. It's not unusual for children at times to act as a confidant caretaker to an enfeebled parent. Uh, adults whose lives are consumed with caretaking for others generally do it at the expense of creating a life for themselves. Once an adult learns to quit trying to fix others, they must learn how to fill their own emptiness with creative or meaningful activity. And that's my concern that I see many times that people go through their lives caretaking in a way for others in ways where they discount their own journey in terms of filling up their life with productive ways of moving forward. Let me put that to Linda. Mm -hmm. Linda, in, in the characters that you conceive and write about and present us, the readers, with challenge, challenges uh, arising out of their roles, is what you, James has been talking about something you take into account? That's well, yes, because, it, I, I mean, I, he's quite right, that especially women um, often... Um, their whole identity is wrapped around taking care of other people, taking care of their children, taking care of the husband, then taking care of the parent. And that's their whole identity. And when you take those things away, uh, they don't even know who they are anymore. And that is, is, yes, it's very much a part of it. It's like if you, and the expectation upon women that you will take care of your parent, you will take care of this, that is part of your duty. And in, in, I mean, 
certain cultures especially, there's not even a question that you'll do it. But, I mean, he, he's quite right that, yes, um, you do lose track of yourself by when you completely give yourself over to taking care of others, and that's all that, that, that is who you are, is the caregiver, and it, it can become problematic, yeah. Right. Now, we're going to going into the break fairly soon, so relatively short answers, please. Mm-hmm. Um, James, who are the readers you had in your mind's eye when you were writing your last book um, about what I'll call the troubled childhood? Who, do you, who did you have in mind as the reader? Well, here are some examples. It's pretty much a broad spectrum, but I'd say parents, educators, adults, some who are victims of domestic violence, uh, ex-offenders, those in addiction treatment, and any other adults interested in personal growth and development. Yeah, so there's a people who basically had the experience in one form or another. Is that right, James? That's correct. Yeah. Linda, same question. Who did you have, what sort of readers did you have in your mind's eye? Really um, a very broad um, readership because it isn't just about the illness. It's about families. It's actually a love story about family and friends, mothers and daughters and sisters and and lovers. It's it's about love. It's a love story and about um, self-discovery on the part of all these different characters. So there's uh, young characters, older characters. There's a, there's a, you know, Adolescents. There's all these different people involved in the in the in the story, and it's about their lives and their and relationships and coming to understandings and forgiving and all of these different things. And so, a very very broad readership. Really, I think the book will appeal to anyone. Okay, with who's been in a family <laughs> and where the family dynamics are not always ideal. <laughs> right, and we don't always like to talk about it. Either. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now, James, I'm going to come back to your readership. Um, will there also be people in your readership or people about whom you're writing who, whose conditions have got them into trouble with the law in one way or another? And if so, what is the particular sense you have of their situation and the way it relates to the things you're talking about? Again, I'm afraid this has to be a quick one. Well, I, I didn't quite understand... The question. Um, okay, maybe if I can clarify the question, and then we'll take it in a bit more detail because it's okay. a tough one. Um, in conditions like, for example, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, you know, this is where children are born. Yes. Alcohol damage, um, autism, uh, and certain other schizophrenia and certain yes. other mental health conditions. Um, the person with the condition can find themselves um, challenged by the law, that is, the police. Yeah. They, they can be accused of things and can't always defend themselves. And just very quickly, because I'm going to come back to this, do you, is that a population that you have in mind or you've experienced with, the people who get into trouble with the law? Yes. Uh, and uh, obviously the conditions you're talking about, these people are, are you know, they're, they're predisposed to the situations that are, are troubling, but there are ways to help people cope more effectively through social skills development and other strategies to move them forward in their life. Perfectly fair. 
Now, I'm going to take the break now, and we will come back to this, because this is a very, very important topic. So, as I say, it's time to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Linda Simmons and James Crable. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Linda Simmons and James Crable. Our topic is authors talking about family caregiving. Now, Family caregivers often say on this, on this um, show that they were unprepared for the family caregiving situations into which life took them. So let's discuss this as a challenge. And I've said this before, but James, I'm hearing from previous guests on Family Caregivers Unite how family caregivers who are well-traveled on that tough road of family caregiving literally turn around, look over the shoulders, and offer a helping hand for family caregivers just starting down the road. In the world in which you're expert, do you agree that this happens? And if so, to what extent does it happen? Um, And in particular, um, how much benefit do you find it is with the kind of people who you're providing services for? Well, it happens, and it's necessary, and it's beneficial, and I've, I've written about it in terms of family caregiving and some of the issues related not only to the caregiving process, but in terms of how family members deal with it when they're uh, potentially uh, lo- they're, they're losing a, a loved one. So it's very important that we act as role models to educate and coach, nurture, uh, selfless behavior to those who are just starting out on this journey to to assist uh, family members. 
one of the things that I, I did in Troubled Childhood Triumphant Life is I included a chapter called The Art of Parenting. And the reason for that is that I wanted people to understand what it looked like, what normative parenting process looked like. I wanted them to understand what nurturing was. I wanted them to understand what soothing was. I wanted people to understand what the caregiving process looked like in terms of being there for others, particularly children. Very, very important that we serve as role models to those who uh, are just starting out on this process. And if I'm understanding you right, that means that families other than the direct families of the people can be very can have a role as role models is that what you're saying yes yeah okay. definitely okay linda is that something that you see in your writing is when you're creating your characters are you also looking at characters who are themselves experienced family caregivers but are not members of the family but yet who are lending a hand to the family that's struggling with the issues. And I'm wondering if that idea of family caregiving givers helping family caregivers actually applies to you as a writer. Well, in in the, the novel Island Girl, um, it, it there are friends like Ruby's friends, etc., and and people who want to help and want to get involved. And these are the, the you know the very people that she's trying to, to push away. But um, in it, it isn't something that's a, it's not a big thing in the novel, particularly about people who've had experience with it. But in our in our own lives, because my mother-in-law. Uh, fell victim to Alzheimer's 15 years ago, we have gone through the system of um, the care and uh, Alzheimer's organizations and all of these things. And when we first started on that journey, we had nothing, no frame of reference. We, we knew nothing at all about it. So along the way, we've learned a lot, and there were a lot of professionals who were very helpful. And, uh, and in talking to other families, too, we do find that, that people are very, very helpful. And now at this stage, where a lot of our friends and you know, people we know are, are experiencing the same thing, their parents are now beginning to show signs, etc., there's so many questions. And we are now, yes, in a position where we can say, this is fine. Don't worry. It's going to be all right. This, you know, here, and offer help. So yes, you do. You you don't. You want to help those who have gone through, who are going through what you've already gone through because you know how difficult it is. Right. Now I'm wondering if that you've just described it perfectly. I'm wondering if that idea of family caregivers helping family caregivers, and I'm repeating the question, actually applies to you. Is there any motivation in your writing that says I am actually not specifically and not perhaps deliberately, but I am in fact looking over my shoulder at the others who are tra- starting to travel this road. Does that apply to you? To me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, it wasn't conscious when I was writing um, the novel, but it is, of course, you're always, you always have something in mind when you're, when you're writing. And yes, I mostly wanted to look at the two questions of what would you do if you were diagnosed with this question and as a, a child, do you owe? What do you owe? Okay, so I really wanted to look at these because I do think they're important um, issues facing people now. And Perfect. so that was more of what I was looking at. Perfectly fair. James, um, previous guests on Family Caregivers Unite have told me that the preferred doctors and nurses who have personal experience as family caregivers um, 
Should that be a rule for readers of books of the types, type you write? That is, the readers should expect you to have had some experience, uh, personal experience of family caregivers. Is that fair? Is that right? What do you think? I think it's fair to, to for them to think that I've had some experience with, uh, obviously, with loss and pain and, and caregiving. And uh, so I think that's, that's a fair statement. Uh, I think doctors and nurses are the first line in assisting uh, families in the process of caregiving. However, that does not preclude, you know, lay people uh, and support from being supportive and providing an integral role in, in caring for loved ones. But I think uh, the books I've written underscore the need for both professional and non-professional support in helping significant others, including close friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically the same question for you, Linda, but with a little bit of a twist to it. That is, uh, the idea that doctors and nurses are in some ways better equipped to assist family caregivers if they, the doctors and nurses, have had the experience of being family caregivers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that something that you think you would advise fiction writers like you um, to basically add to the author's bio that is on the back page, you know, the back flap of the book? Is that something, in other words, that writers like you who've traveled the road mm-hmm. uh, should be advertising? What do you think? Well, I, I didn't personally, okay, put it on the back uh, cover of my book, um, and I don't actually advertise it on my website either. It's um, when you write fiction, you are usually drawn to a topic because there's something in it that moves you, something in it that's affected you, something in it that, that won't let you sleep at night. You need to, there's something you need to say. But I do think that research goes a long, long way. And if an author has done her homework and done her research... He could, she can present a story on, on a large number of topics without ever actually having experienced it. Like I could write um, a story about a serial killer without actually having been one. Okay. <laughs> <Perfectly> <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> so, yeah. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fair enough. Um, now, a totally different question for you both, and it's the same questions. Um, going to ask James first. What are the things about family caregiving? that make the sun shine for you? For me? I think, first of all, the capacity to develop more meaningful connections with family members and peers. I think that would be number one. Secondly, just the joy in seeing others benefit from uh, personal commitment to their health and well-being. And third... Uh, the meaning that giving brings to the caregiver's life. Yeah. Same question, Linda. Um, Looking back on your experience of family caregiving and also taking account of situations that uh, you conceive for your writing, Mm -hmm. uh, what are the things that make the sunshine for you and for your characters in your book? I think for me, the biggest thing was a development of patience, right? And the understanding that like, we don't know what's around the corner for us. Like Ruby in, in Island Girl, Ruby Donaldson, at 55, the last thing.
thing she expects is a diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's. She honestly believes she had another 20 years to carry on and make things right and do everything. And suddenly she doesn't. And I think that's part of it is in looking after, in, in, in caregiving and caretaking um, with family members, we, we learn to um, appreciate the people who are around us and to take more time. And when you have someone with Alzheimer's, you have to learn to slow down, to breathe, to allow them to understand what it is that's happening in the moment because they're not going to understand as quickly. They don't grasp things as quickly. They can get impatient and, and scared. And you have to learn to just be in the moment with them, okay? And the day that my husband stopped trying to make his mother remember who was in the pictures because he used to do these nice albums and he would do calendars and he would make all kinds of things hoping to jog memories, hoping to bring back his mother because the the horror of Alzheimer's is that they don't change physically. It's the same person on the outside. They sound the same, but they're not there. They're not the same person. And the day that he finally closed the picture book, the pictures, and put them aside and stopped putting the stress on her and on himself was sad because it was, he was letting go of that person, but it was also a peace fell over him and over his mother, and they could just enjoy the moment. Yeah, that's what some people refer to, in a way, as the wall. Uh, that's not as negative as it sounds. If I understand it right, is it is the realization that there are things that can't be changed. That's right. That, uh, and that is, in that sense, you have to adapt to that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And what you saw was someone coming to the conclusion that trying to reverse an irreversible process wasn't going to work no. and might indeed be counterproductive. Exactly. And it's very difficult to do that, to, to acknowledge that there's nothing more you can do. All you can do is be with this person right now in this moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, it is time for the break. We're going to come back to other things uh, afterwards. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Avery. My guests are Linda Simmons and James Crable. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Conflict resolution, anger management, and bullying are all things that adults deal with every day, not just kids. These issues can have negative effects on our personal health and well-being. Tune in to the Dr. Vicki Show with Dr. Victoria D. Coleman. Dr. Vicki will explore and share strategies and techniques to address and present solutions to these issues. We'll discuss self-esteem, communication, relationships, addictions, career development, and the global village. Tune in to the Dr. Vicki Show, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
expertise in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Linda Simmons and James Crable. Our topic is authors talking about family caregiving. Now, the background to this segment is the point that family caregiving is more and more important, not just for families, but also for the healthcare system and society as a whole in North America and beyond. I, I sometimes say family caregivers subsidize the healthcare systems through all their work and all their struggling to cope with difficult situations. So, Linda, I'm going to ask you, viewed from the point perspective, any perspective you like, what are the changes you would like to see in the way family caregiving is supported in North America? Well, I, I do believe that there needs to be more help, uh, more respite care um, available to family caregivers because they need a break. It is a 24-hour-a-day job, and they need help. It doesn't matter if it's Alzheimer's or if it's schizophrenia or whatever it is. They need a break, and I would like to see more um, emphasis on this, on right. giving that kind of, of, of making those kinds of things available to families so that they get a couple of days a week off. Yeah. And that, does that mean that they leave the home and go away somewhere, or can you get a break and a rest, you think, um, by having somebody coming into the home to help you? If you could get someone to come in who could get up in the night, who could do, who could, but it's very, it's very difficult with someone in the home because then the... the um, the family member is still going to seek you out. Okay, it's like having a nanny, you know, in your home when you have little children. Um, if if there was some place where you know the, the family member could go overnight, um, that sort of thing, that would probably be um, the best, in my right. opinion. Right, James. It's the same question. Changes you'd like to say, see in the way family caregiving is supported in North America? Well, first, I agree with what Linda's saying <clears throat> that caregivers need. Uh, time away from the process that they're involved in. And so any type of relief that they can get is very important. Um, also, I, I think that more monitoring of the nursing care facilities is important. Um, my, my mother was involved in a, a, a care facility in, in Florida, and uh, she was, uh, had been on morphine, and she was having some hallucinations. And in the process, a uh, psychiatric unit went in and determined that they thought that she was psychotic and gave her uh, a medication for psychotic bouts, which just exacerbated the problem. I found this out through a social worker as I was making my calls to Florida, it was very helpless for me because I was back in uh, the Chicago area at that time. 
And so it was incredibly scary to understand what had taken place in this process of my mom's treatment. This was a new facility. It was brand new. And we put her in there in good faith. And in that process, we eventually, obviously, removed her from that, and she regained her composure and her balance emotionally. But um, that was uh, kind of a, a frightening experience. So I think more monitoring of nursing care facilities would be one uh, that I think of. In other words, this is more feedback, isn't it? Um, because those sorts of situations that you've just, just described are really very stressful on the family caregiver, which, of course, um, emphasizes Linda's point that um, respite, some kind of rest, not just physical but also mental rest, that people are being looked after properly, becomes vitally important. Now, I want to ask you, um, it kind of sounds a bit like a political question, and I guess it is, but Linda, who should be calling for the changes you would like to see, and why should it be those people who are doing the calling? I think that all governments are always going to be slow to introduce any program that's going to cost any money. So it, the call will, it will never come from within government. It needs to come from outside. It needs to come from the Alzheimer's Association. It needs to come from um, organizations like yourself or the elder care organizations. It needs to come from those people. It needs to come from caregivers themselves um, making these requests of, of the government and, and pushing it and pushing it because that's the only way it gets heard. Right. Same question for you, James. Who should be doing the calling for the changes and why them? Well, I think uh, national associations that support, uh, you know, the caregiving process and uh, deal with particular disorders and problems, uh, whether it has to be, whether it's autism or whether it's Alzheimer's or whatever that happens to be, and also state regulatory boards, whoever oversees uh, the uh, different, you know, situations, uh, and, uh, and working in that regard. Right. Now, I'm going to push the question out to you in a different way. What about family caregivers? Um, do they, in your view, and this is a question first for Linda and then for James, um, do they represent a community which does, should, or, or might articulate the needs for more and better support for family caregivers. Uh, that is to say, do family caregivers, who after all have an authentic voice, need to use their voices more loudly? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I understand that it can be overwhelming when you're in this situation and you don't have five extra minutes to think about anything. But uh, So that's why I think that the, the larger organizations have to have that voice. They have to make uh, things known to the newspapers. They have to get media attention. They have to go through this way. But I believe that the caregivers themselves have got to join these organizations. And even if they don't get involved at the, you know, running for anything within the organizations and any of those levels, they need to get involved to put their story out there so that it can become public because it's only through public awareness and pressure on governments through media that things happen. Yeah. James, what do you think about the role of the family caregivers articulating then the needs collectively? Well, I think that, uh, again, like Linda said, the advocacy needs to come from the caregivers themselves. 
And uh, I'm thinking of a situation where I had an individual contact me because they were starting a sibling support group for children who were emotionally disordered. And I thought this was excellent and courageous and a very a very uh, kind and considerate thing to do. So I think the advocacy is typically going to come from the people who are impacted by these difficulties, and it should uh, then go to whether they establish some kind of website presence or whether they go through their legislations or whether they go to Congress. However they try to get their awareness out there, that's, that's very important and necessary. Another political question coming up, but it's addressed to you both personally. Linda, do you think that professional writers, like you both are, um, should be, could or should be offering your services in some way to promote the cause of family caregiving? What do you think? Uh, well, yeah. I guess it, it comes down to what impact any, anything that I could say, you know, that I could add to the argument would be. Now, yes, we've been involved in this situation, and yes, I've written a book about, you know, the whole concept of, of caring and loving and forgiving and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I, I don't know what impact my particular voice would have on anything, but I'm always happy to, you know, put it out there. <laughs> to beat the drum, I'm always happy to do that. <laughs> perfectly, perfectly fair. James, what about that, that question that I just put? What the role of the writer in helping the family caregiver? I think that's a really interesting question. Currently, I'm working with my publisher. There are several nonprofit agencies, one that deals with domestic violence, the other that deals with the loss of family members, particularly children. And I'm working with my publisher to get books to these organizations and my publisher has indicated that they are willing to send free copies uh, to uh, these individuals. And so I'm trying to work with a process to make sure that this happen- happens in a confidential matter. So coordinating with different agencies is very, very important for me in, in terms of my work and what I do. Right. Now, we are coming to the end, and I would just like to kind of summarize back to you a couple of points, and that is that family caregivers um, are an amazing group to judge from what I've learned as a physician on this show, and that is the extent to which they do reach out to help others is just amazing, and it's political, it's, as you said, it's building websites, it's volunteering, it's going on marches, raising money, I don't mean protest marches, I mean raising money. And it's supporting other groups who are getting themselves organized locally um, to provide help that isn't otherwise available. And um, last, last week, um, I did um, an episode um, about uh, the, family, the American Family Caregiver of the Year Award. And Joyce Scott, the woman who won the award, had the kind of story that stops you in the tra- in your tracks mm-hmm. be- of what that woman did, uh, whether she did it out of duty. I think she did it out of family tradition, but why she did it is ir- irrelevant. The fact is she did it, and there are a lot of people out there like that. And I think, therefore, for, and I'm speaking as a physician now, for my profession to recognize 
more and better the work that these family caregivers do and to support them and to provide them in, in, with encouragement is good for absolutely everybody. Mm-hmm. And having lectured my own profession, I'm going to leave you with the suggestion that maybe professional writers and successful writers like you both are, uh, I would encourage you to do the same thing. So that's the end of my lecture um, <laughs> to you, and, uh, but I hope it's a little bit helpful. So I have to say we're, we're at the close. Uh, time has gone very quickly. It's been a very interesting discussion. I want to thank you, say thank you to our listeners, and please email us with your comments and questions, requests for further information, names of books, that kind of thing. I want to say thank you to our guests, Linda Simmons and James Crable, for sharing with us uh, your experience as writers and therefore as people who explore ideas, who conceive of characters, who describe experiences. And um, we wish you every continuing success, especially if you take up the cause of family caregiving. Now, in our next episode, we'll be talking about dancing and dementia. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. See you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.